He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward-Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. and a warm welcome. But the reason why we are here this morning is because of Jesus. And I want you to welcome him, although he's here, in a profound way. Give him praise. Give him praise in the middle, at the back, on my right. Father, thank you for this time. Your word says that the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to the simple. This morning, use this vessel to bring light into the lives of the many people represented here. And Lord, even those who are watching virtually and those who will watch thereafter, let your spirit be real, Lord, to them. Turn their lives around. Make us more like Jesus. I humble myself under your mighty hand. Use me, Lord, in accordance with your will. Thank you for grace and the privilege to be a vessel that you have chosen to use this morning. Lord, I release myself to you. Let everything that will be a hindrance, let the mercy of God cleanse. And Lord, let your word have free course and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Please take your seats. Well, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. I always say that when it comes to preaching, God could have chosen so many vessels from this earth. So when the Lord falls on you, it means that grace has found you. Amen. And I want to thank God for that privilege. I also want to salute Prophet Addison for... Giving us ladies a patch in the vineyard and making it possible for us to also bring forth our gifts. Amen. And I want to celebrate your first lady. I can already sense the grace of God on her. And I, I can see that she's a graced vessel of God. And how wonderful it is to belong to one family. I also want to, as the radio station says, send a shout out <laughs> to my husband, Bishop Dag, who is on the crusade trail. He tells me he's leaving Bungpurugu to go to the next place. And I thank God for his life. Amen. 
I thank God also for your life. Thank you for being here, for doing us the honor with your presence. May the Lord remember you. I also want to salute the daughters of Zelulafat. It is one of the um, favorite scriptures I have because they sought to turn the status quo, but in the right way. And I pray that you too will be able to turn the status quo when it becomes necessary. Amen. Now I'm told that your theme is the error corrector, the woman. I think that the Bible is replete with so many stories of women being vessels of influence and vessels of change. Um, the amazing thing is that most of the time, the vessels, not the vessels, the channels that God uses are not conventional channels, are not channels that people even find mighty. But I think that God uses that so that the glory will be his. And he, he chooses us as women to be influencers and to correct a lot of things from the Bible perspective. But like I said, when I was um, inviting you to the program, an error corrector corrects also the error in she herself. Amen. The Bible says that Correct the beam that is in your eye. And then you will see clearly to collect the, uh, it's not a beam, the speck that is in the other person's eye. I find that verse interesting because people like to quote it to mean that you shouldn't judge. But it says that when you remove your beam, you will see correctly and you are supposed to go on to remove the speck in the other person's eye. So speck removal is part of your error correction. Amen, somebody. Now, I know that many times the, the problem is blamed on Eve, that uh, she was the conduit pipe for evil to enter this world. All the things that we women cry about, difficult marriages, childbirth challenges, rivalry, jealousies, broken relationships, disease, war, all that we cry about was because Eve gave room to the serpent. But I believe that God is the superior court judge and I'm amazed that the Bible says by sin, by one man, sin came into the world. It doesn't say by one woman. <laughs> Amen, ladies. And said, by another man also, righteousness came into the world. Amen. So he didn't say that by one woman, sin came into the world. And then by another woman, maybe Mary, righteousness came into the world. It is attributed, I think, according to hierarchy. You know, so even if you are Adam, you have no excuse to say that the woman that thou gavest me. Because when he first gave her to you, you said, woo, man, you were happy. But when you started having problems, then you said, she can't be of God. But the good news is that Eve recovered. Amen. I say that because the Bible says that after Cain and Abel, God gave them another child called Seth. 
And Seth means appointed time. So at the appointed time, God visited Eve again. And through another woman called Mary, who was also a product of Eve, salvation came into the world. So with God, it's not finished. Amen. Now, if we are error correctors, then we have to be able to, first of all, look within ourselves and see where we have also made some mistakes and errors and allow Christ to correct that error in us so that we will see the speck in others to correct. But biblically speaking, a woman has always been God's secret weapon. When you look at the things that God uses in the hands of a woman, it should tell you that hmm, we are a refined species of God's creation. Because he didn't take us from the dust. He took us from the side of man. Amen. And I was saying that the Bible is replete with so many examples. When you look at Moses, he became a great man of God. But he was born in a time of great difficulty and great strife. There were deaths everywhere. Uh, uh, male children were being killed by Pharaoh. You, you are not even supposed to be born. And if you happen to be born, you were to be killed at birth. So it's not like you will come into the world to manifest anything. But Jochebed, his mother, she took a risk. And the Bible says that when she could no longer hide Moses, she made a wicker basket. Now, when you are thinking about armies, you'll be thinking, okay, AK-47, even what Putin is doing, you know, he's using air missiles, and the UK is also giving Ukraine missiles. I saw this morning that the UK missile has been able to foist attempts from Russia. That's what the world knows. Powerful people with powerful things. But a wicker basket in the hands of a woman saves a generation and produces a prophet. So in the midst of the king's error, Jochebed makes a wicker basket and she says, you know, I've reached a point where I can no longer hide. Now the baby has grown. I can't hide it. But I've reached the point where I need wisdom to know how to sustain this baby. She didn't know beyond that what she was going to do. But the Bible says that she saw that this is a goodly child. An error corrector sees something that not everybody sees. Amen, somebody? She discerned that this is a goodly child. And therefore, I have to uh, uh, preserve it. And she made a wicker basket, which every woman has a basket. Except the children of today who buy online. But in the olden times, not so long ago, every woman had a basket. So, it's just like God asking Moses, what do you have in your hands? Jochebed looked around and said, the best way I can preserve this child is to make a basket and put on a river. Yes, I know there are um, possibilities that the, the baby will drown, but she dubbed it with pitch, the Bible says, so that the water would not go in. And she just released it by faith on the water. You know, sometimes when I read that, I wonder where Moses' father was. Not that he was irresponsible, but I believe that God has what I call role differentiation. 
So everybody has a role to play in the scheme of things. And most of the time, a woman would say, Oh, I don't know how. You know the king's edict. And you know all the soldiers are everywhere. I don't know what I can do. So I think I'll call my husband. He's a repository of all wisdom. But woman, there's something in you. The Bible says in Genesis that God said, I will put enmity between you and the serpent. And between your seed and the serpent's seed. So... You are the devil's enemy because he knows what lies in you and the potential that you have. And when she did that, that was just the first step. So in trying to correct the error, God took over and then brought Pharaoh's daughter, brought her own self, Jochebed, to be the babysitter. That has to be orchestrated by God. But God can do his bit when you have done your bit. Amen, somebody. Don't worry, don't say, she's not going to read scripture. I'm going to read scripture. I'm just laying the foundation, amen? And when you look at Delilah, she's a bad example. But Samson carried the gates of Gaza. He could take on an army single-handed. He could bring the jawbones of lions. He was a strong man. Israel had never seen that before. But it took Delilah's laps. What do you have? You have laps, but you use it for the wrong reasons. Perhaps if you are married, those laps could soothe your husband's pain and his wounds. But you have become so bitter in the marriage that your laps are now like sandpaper. There's no comfort there. Amen, ladies. What is it about Delilah that kept Samson coming back? What is it about Delilah that kept Samson being so blind? I mean, somebody lies to you three times. The first time is a mistake. The second time, you were not aware. But the third time. And it keeps getting closer and closer. Amen. And every time you come and lie in those laps. And she could maneuver and cry. You know, some of you are manipulators. You can cry. The Bible says she pressed him with her, his, her words daily, daily. Pressure. Let your pressure to be so that the person will obey God. Your pressure should not be so that you will have your way. And that the kingdom of God will suffer loss like Delilah. But you know, there are always good things to learn from bad examples. Amen, somebody. When your husband walks in from work, it's like nothing has happened. It's like life is normal. So when he opens the door, he whatever, it's like, it's not that you you, you intend to, but you are busy. You are busy with the children. You are busy with his own food. You are busy with whatever. But I learned something. When one day I heard a marriage counselor called Jimmy Evans preaching. And he said that one of the things that had disappointed him in marriage was that he thought that every time he walked through the door, there would be whistles and bells and flowers and petals. But then his wife doesn't even notice that he has come because she's busy with whatever she's doing. 
And I was so surprised. I'm like, hey, Mr. Osem Bells, that's a tall order every day. Because not every day is a party. Then, a few weeks after that, I was listening to Bishop Dag live. <laughs> At first, Love Center, he said that, brothers, you thought that when you arrive home, you will receive some wild welcome. But they are busy staring the stew. And they don't even lift their heads to see you. And I'm like, wow. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. So nowadays, I have made it a point. I mean, I thought there's women who like attention. But you know, I'm rewriting the scripts. Somebody came to me and said, Mommy, what, what did men come and do? I said, well, why? He said, everything, we have to do it. Everything, even pampering, we have to do it. I said, sister, sow a good seed. And the harvest will be bountiful. Amen. So I have personally made it my mandate when I hear the door to constructively lift my head. I said, oh, wow, it's you. Welcome. So how was your day? It's not always easy, but I'm learning and I'm trying. Amen. So Delilah also had that attribute. And so did so many other women of God. So I just want to take you there. Welcome, Mama Funke. Welcome. What a blessing. What a blessing. Welcome, woman of God. We are humbled by your presence. Amen. When we look at Judges 9, reading from verse 50, and I'll be very fast. like went to Tebes and encamped against Tebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city. And all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. And they went up to the roof of the tower, which means people were standing on each other. And Abinadab came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman, everybody say a certain woman, threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed me, killed him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubabel. Amen. Now, the preceding verses show that this Abimelech had had many victories. And he was just progressing with his war. So when he got to this Tebes, he even conquered the city. And the people had to run into a strong tower. 
Now, as they were in the strong tower, there was no debate or no discussion. But again, the error corrector, a certain woman. I do not know how a woman got a millstone, which is like a cement block, into the tower. I do not know how her mind worked so quickly on the spur of the moment that this is how to crush Abimelech. But she just took the millstone and threw it against the wall. And this Abimelech, who had conquered so many people with great armies, was brought low by the error corrector, a certain woman. Even in this case, she's not mentioned. You know, sometimes women are mentioned like Jezebel and Jochebed, but this woman is not even mentioned. But she rewrote the rule book for wars by correcting the error. And why do I say she corrected the error? Because the Bible says that God used her to turn things around and to rebuke and punish Abimelech. So she was a tool in God's hands. What I have discovered is that most of the stories where women are called upon to be error correctors, they are solitary. They are alone. Usually they are alone. It means that the majority is they and God. So you and God are enough majority to turn things around. Amen. Now, after this incident, this woman may seem not to have been any strong woman. But Israel rewrote the rules of war and rules of engagement. Second Samuel 11 verse. When Joab sent to tell David that Uriah had been killed, the, the, the deed had been done, he had to put it in a professional way. So he told the man that as you are going, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerubesheth? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of a millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant the Hittite is dead. So from this woman's act, Israel's act of war and strategy for war was real, rewritten. Sometimes it's not how great your name is. Sometimes it's not how public things are. Great things are achieved in closets, ladies. Amen. And David is now asking the man that, why did the people go near the wall? Have they not learned from that experience with Abimelech, what the woman did, and that because of that, we don't fight near walls. This is generations after. The error corrector. Your role is not just for the now. Your role is into the future. Your role will rewrite war books. Your role will rewrite war strategies towards the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Something lies in you. And that something must come forth. Hmm. Amen, ladies. I don't know how much time I have, but God is my helper. Second Samuel chapter 20. 
15 to 22. It talks about the wise woman of Abel, long, long, long. So I say the wise woman of Abel. Reading from verse 15. And the men who were with Joab came and besieged him. They cast up a mound against the city and it stood against the rampart and they were battering the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman. Everybody say a wise woman. Then a wise woman called from the city. Listen, listen, tell Joab, come here that I may speak to you. Who are you? You are calling the commander of an army. That you may speak to him. And how do you know that he will even um, consider what you have to say? But as an error corrector, you take risks. And you take chances and you rise up to the occasion. You know, like your first lady was saying, your timing and your seasons. Amen. So she said, Joab, you are a commander of the army, but I can talk to you. I bet if another man had called him, he would see him as an opponent. So he would not even come. But the woman said, come. He came near her and the woman said, are you Joab? (laughs) He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Listen to the words of your servants. An error corrector knows the power of humility. And I'll be coming there in my final story on Abigail. Listen to what your servant has to say. Most of the time, in order to gain access, to be able to do what God has called you to do, it's going to take humility. She didn't say Listen to me. I know things you don't know. And by the way, you don't even live in Abel. You know? And most of us in this modern generation, our tutoring and our everything is from the internet. And we are rewriting the Bible and saying that eh, we are now women of the millennium, millennium of the Z generation. And our things are also not working. It's so amazing. But this woman called herself a servant. When it becomes necessary, can we address you as a servant? Or you say, do you know my degrees? They are more than what is on the thermometer. Check me out. Mm. Jesus, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Amen. And he answered, I'm listening. In the midst of war, The army is charging, whatever she calls Joab. I want to talk to you a little. And Joab says, I'm listening. Wow. Powerful error corrector. Then she said, they used to say in former times, let them but ask counsel at Abel. And so they settled the matter. I am one of those who are peaceful, peaceable, and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city. That is a mother in Israel. Why will you swallow up the heritage of the Lord? Joab answered, Far be it from me, far be it that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not true. This woman, the Bible says she's a wise woman. She knows how to bargain. She knows how to intercede. She knows how to get the man's attention. She may not be the commander of the army, but she knows how to get access to the commander of the army. 
And she knows how to make it like reasoning, not like commands. Some of you, you give too many commands in your marriage and in your home. I am not bowing down to this. I am not taking this. This is what I believe. This is how it should be. It's not always like that. In order to correct an error, you have to know how to entreat. The Bible says, entreat an elder. Amen. So if somebody is in a certain you entreat the person. You don't use your PhD to bamboozle yourself. You may have PhD in the office, but when you come home, it is no PhD. You become like all of us. Amen, ladies. So, the woman engages a great commander called Joab. And she says, why will you destroy a city? You are looking for just one person. But you are coming to destroy the whole, and even a mother in Israel that has sacred many. Why would you do that? And now, Joab becomes defensive. It means that she has hit a chord. The skill of communication and godly communication will make you an error corrector. Amen. Hmm. He said, but a man of the hill country of Ephraim called Sheba, the son of Bikri, has lifted up his hand against King David. Give him a loan and I will withdraw from the city. And the woman said to Joab, behold, his head shall be thrown to you (laughs) over the wall. Then the woman went to all the people in what? In her wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Amen. She went to all the people in her fashion. She went to all the people in her makeup. She went to all the people in who she was. She went to all the people in her wisdom. Not only was she able to engage an army commander, she could also engage people. No matter whether they were high, they were low. Some of you, you feel that all your friends should be only high class. I pity you. Because things in life are not done by only high class people. Sometimes the foot soldiers are more powerful than the president. Amen, somebody. So she went and she engaged all the people. And then, behold, his head shall be thrown. Then the woman went and engaged the people in her wisdom. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bikri, and threw it out to Joab. So he blew the trumpet and they dispersed from the city. Every man to his home. And Joab returned to Jerusalem. To the king. How did that happen? Error corrector. Her skills. Her wisdom. The Bible says, the fear of God is the beginning. Some of us, it means that we have not even begun the journey of wisdom. Amen, somebody. Because the fear of God is zero in your life. You you fear your boss. You fear uh, targets at work. You fear your uh, immediate boss. You fear your promotion, how it will come. You fear so many things, but God is not one of them. You even fear your husband, but you don't fear God. And sometimes when you are talking to people, you say, me, I don't fear anybody. And you think that it is part of your credentials. I pity you. (laughs) Amen. 
So this woman with her wisdom was able to save a whole city. Because she said, if it's one person you are looking for, why are you coming to kill everybody? I will organize the head for you. And I may not be the one to even cut the head. But I have organizational skills. Everything you have, God can use. And I believe that women have great organizational skills. It may not be acknowledged, but it's a fact. In Genesis 18, when the angels came, in the thick of the day, the Bible says it was hot. Three angels appeared, and Abraham constrained them to eat bread. And he has not told Sarah that they are going to have visitors. And the Bible says that he said, oh, stay, stay. Don't go anywhere. Then he ran into the house and he told Sarah, get things ready. Make this, do this, do this. And then even the animal, he told the young man, make a kid, whatever. And then when he finished, he came to present it. Sarah did not argue with Abraham. Like most of us would. Now, do you know what I have in my fridge? Do you know what is in the storeroom? You just saw three people. You said they should come. Even if it were one, I would have taken it like that. What type of disgrace and embarrassment is this? You like impromptu things. You, I realize that people quarrel about such things because they feel inadequate. Often not because they don't want to do it. But as an error corrector, you must be able to rise up to occasions that are not uh, uh, envisaged like this woman. Amen. Many times I host people in my house. When they get to the airport, our bishops, before they are calling me, hey, I'm at Kotokao. I said, you are Kotokao? How did you come there? <laughs> oh, I thought daddy had told you. Daddy has not told me. But anyway, since I have been married for 30 plus years, I have learned how to be in operation mode. So as soon as you as a guest, you leave. Or your bedding, your room, your what? I may not put back the bedding. But I've taken it to the laundry and it's already wrapped and everything. So when you say, I'm at Kotoka, it's not a problem. And I think that that is why my husband doesn't even tell me what is happening. Because he feels that, oh, she will rise to the occasion. (laughs) Which is not always very pleasant. Amen. But sometimes even the way you will present the food. Even if it's corned beef stew. The way you garnish it, the way you make the rice, the way you set your table, the person will feel like a king. The ability to kick into things when you are under pressure is one of the things, the, the, the gems of an error corrector. And I pray that it will be yours too. Amen, Amen ladies. Amen. So, First Samuel 25, which is my key verse. This was just to establish... What God uses, you know, you don't have to be so educated. You don't have to have a name that everybody knows you, but just a certain woman, a wise woman, and then God can use you to change great things. Amen, somebody. Somebody is saying, I'm not interested in God using me. What a pity. How will you fulfill your purpose? (laughs) Amen. First Samuel 25, are we there? It's a very popular story. Verse 2. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Camel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 articulator tracts and 1,000 
tipper trucks. And he was looking on oiling his trucks in Camel. Now the name of the man was Nebal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. And a beautiful countenance. But the man was careless and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. Every time I read this story, I don't know how a beautiful woman with brains can marry a fool. But it happens all the time. And it's happening to you right now as I'm speaking. (laughs) Usually it is said that beauty and brains don't go together. But in Abigail's case, beauty and brains were meeting together. Now the Bible says, neighbor was very great. So a man can be a fool, but be very great in business. Or he can be a fool, but be very great in the work he's doing. Or he can be a fool, but be very great in another area. Because life is in compartments. What a shock. So when you saw his BMW and you saw his car keys, (laughs) if I marry him, everything will be all right. It could also be that Abigail, like many of you here, got saved after marrying a fool. Because the school of hard knocks makes your eyes open. You say, huh? How did I get here? The Bible says neighbor was wicked. The Bible says he was careless. And even when we read on, we see that he was somebody who could embarrass his wife anyway. There was no respect. You know, so Abigail was living in a hostile environment. But she was a woman of also good understanding. She understood a number of things. Amen, ladies? So she could correct some error that was coming their way. The story is known that David and his men came and said to Nabal, who was, by the way, making a feast for his servants. That's what the Bible says. Give us some food. Help us. We are in the wilderness. And we've been guarding your sheep and things for you. And Ebal says, I don't have anything to give you. It's not that you should even go and prepare something. You are preparing for your servants. That's what the Bible says. He was preparing something for his servants. And yet, he refused to help David and, and his men. You know, So David, too, summoned his army that, I'm going to go against Nabal. Anything that pisses against the wall, that's the Bible's rendition. I'm going to kill it. I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. Two men pitched against each other. Nabal insulting and all that. And then David also bringing his army to show Nabal where power lies. And humble Abigail in her house. How can she forestall such a thing? The first point is that As an error corrector, she could be approached by a servant. Amen. You, can you be approached by a servant? Huh? Hmm. People who are lower than you in your eyes, they cannot talk to you. Tell me, I have to take friends in high places so that I will go high. Really? Really? There's something called stepping stones. Verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife saying, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. 
But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the field. They were a wall to us, both by day and night. All the while, they were keeping the, were, were keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou would do. Know and consider what thou would do. Can somebody advise you? Mama Christy, we are welcome. You're welcome. Good to see you. <laughs> God bless you. Know and consider what thou would do. The distinguishing mark about Abigail was that she was a wise woman. The Bible says that she was a woman of good understanding. And many of us have very short fuses for marriage, for our work with Christ, for everything because we don't have good understanding. The understanding, no, akakakra. Amen. So consider and know what you will do. So the error corrector has to consider. Consider the circumstances. Consider what you've been confronted with. Consider what you are not even prepared for. And know what you will do. Amen. Hmm. For evil is determined against our master and against all this household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Abigail was in a very, very difficult situation. If somebody is a son of Belial, then Belial is your father-in-law. It's not easy to marry a man whose father is Satan. It's not easy to have Satan as your father-in-law. This is what Abigail was confronted with. Amen, ladies. Very, very difficult. Nobody can speak to him. Most of you would have said, this is a difficult situation. It doesn't breathe. There's no way of escape. I'm out. I'm out. Divorce made easy. Amen. Abigail knew all the extenuating circumstances. But the Bible says, as soon as she heard this, Abigail made haste, speed and doing things on time. Timeliness of things. Because sometimes by the time you obey an instruction, the instruction has become useless. If your boss comes in and says, call this woman, tell her I will not be in by this time. So she should come at this time. And then you don't call. And she comes. And when she comes, you tell her, oh, she told me to call you that you shouldn't come. And the woman had other things to do that your boss did not tell you about. The little, little things of timeliness makes great cost. She made haste. Amen? The error corrector acts on time. And she took 200 loaves. Before I come to that, one temptation that if I were Abigail, I'll be confronted with is I will, I will have a strong and burning desire to go and sort my neighbor out. That why? So David came to ask you for bread. You didn't give him. You see, these are your difficulties. So now he can easily come and kill us. And nobody can talk to you. Everything we say, you say you won't do. Everything, by that time, the armies would have advanced and they would have destroyed everything, including Abigail. The Bible says there's a time for everything. 
There's a time to keep silence. And there's a time to speak. As an error corrector, it's not every time that you address everything. It's not every time that you speak at that time. The Holy Spirit has to lead you as to when you should be quiet. Sometimes your quietness speaks volumes. Amen. And accomplishes great things. I'm not saying always, but Abigail knew. So she went for 200 loaves of bread. Now, even though she was married to Nabal, she also had some blessings from the house. Because you, you cannot produce 200 loaves of bread now. But because you are married to a great man called Nabal, you can put all these together in no time. Yes, everything may not be good, but there are certain things that are good. And that is what you can use to overcome and to correct in Jesus' name. Amen. 200 loaves of bread. If I ask you just now, you tell me that even yesterday you didn't buy bread. <laughs> and two bottles of wine and five sheep already dressed. Hey, if I ask you for sheep just now, you say, hey, please, I have to go to the sheep market. And even when I get there, I have to bargain about the price because you see, I'm not sure. But she was able to commandeer all this. And five measures of parched corn. And a hundred clusters of raisins. And two hundred cakes of figs. I know that it all sounds so outlandish to you. You like me to say, five hundred bowls of banku. Four hundred bowls of oko stew. So convert it to whatever works for you. And she laid them on donkeys. Donkeys were the mode of transportation. She laid them on cars. It was a fleet of cars. Taking the things. Why? Because Neva was a great man. But she still had issues. So it's not enough to just marry a great man who is great in business, has this, has that. You will still have issues. Amen. But she used what Nabal had brought into her life for her advantage and to advance God's cause. And I pray that you do the same. And she said unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. She knew that she couldn't just come and meet David. You see, the other woman, the wise woman told Joab, come. It's different from sending servants because she knew that David is so angry he's on the war trail. And a man's gifts makes room. So wisdom will teach you these things. But some of you will say, a servant in the wilderness, he cannot command me. If my husband says he won't give him, he won't give him. Is it by force? Nobody employed him as security guard. If he himself took it upon himself, so be it. Baby girl said, go ahead. So when David saw the fleet of cars, Hey, sheep, sheep. Fix, fix. Raisins, raisins. Hey, bread, bread. I mean, you will stand and marvel that, wow, what is this entourage about? And she wasn't bringing war weapons. She was bringing food. Food looks powerless. Food looks like nothing. But food opens the door to David's heart. Error corrector, may God give you wisdom. Because it's the wisdom that comes from above that will distinguish you. Amen, ladies. Hmm. Ah, Bible says she told not her husband neighbor. Because 
Because this is not the time for UN meetings. This is not the time for democracy. This is not the time to table a motion in parliament. First reading, second reading, third reading, and then assent into law. This is not the time. Amen, somebody? This was the time to act speedily and on time. And she came after the trail. As she rode on the donkey, she came down the covert on a hill. And David and his men came down against her. Wow. They came down belligerent like, eh, what? Your flute of cars and all that. And so what? Your neighbor's wife. We are sure you have an attitude. We are very sure. So you already see a hostile environment. Some of us, when we are confronted with hostile environments, we just cry. No, thank you. And things are happening. You can't afford to be like that if you are going to correct error. Even in your tears, you'll be crying, but you must correct the error. You must save your household. You must do something. Amen. When David was running from Absalom, the Bible says he was even barefoot and he was crying, but he was still bringing war strategies. He said, you, Hushaya, go back and listen to what is being said. And you, Jonathan Ahimez, go and be spies. And you, Joab, we will not sleep here. We will do this and that. Can you function in the midst of adversity? Can you function when there's a handicap? Can you function when things are against you? It takes the divine grace of God. Amen, somebody. And she met them. Now David had said that surely in vain he will kill them, whatever. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted. She lighted off the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. Looking at the station of life of David at that time, he was not somebody that Abigail had to do all these things to. Get down from her donkey. You now, you live in the wilderness. I live in a palace. I should get down from my donkey. Haste. Bow before you. And then say some things to you. <clears throat> she fell before David on her face. And bowed herself to the ground. You know, in Ghana, none of our tribes have that uh, tradition. But... In Nigeria, the Yorubes, they bow, they, and in Zambia, they even fall prostrate at your feet. So once I went to preach in Zambia, and I said to the pastor, at that time I didn't know it was their um, custom. Yeah. So I said, oh, your ladies here are very uh, lowly and humble, bowing themselves down. He said, oh, it's a culture of a lady, and they are standing in their heart. <laughs> so I pray that you are not standing in your heart. <laughs> And fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thy handmaiden, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thy handmaiden. Negotiation skills. Just like the wise woman at the Tower of Abel. Right? Abigail, you know, body language speaks a lot. So sometimes I say, I didn't say anything. But the way you rolled your eyes. We women, we know. And the way your shoulder was. You see, the men don't see our things, but we know. 
When you are in church, you are passing by your first lady. You have a way. And then when she tells her husband that, ah, this lady, I don't like the way she said, what did she do? She was walking in the aisle. What did she do? But you and I as women, we know that. Amen, ladies. Body language speaks a lot. The Bible says when Cain and Abel offered their sacrifice, God said that, why is your countenance falling? Why? So your facial expressions and all that are part of the negotiation process. Some of you, because of your face, nobody can join the church. You are not inviting. And there and Asha say, oh, madam, please don't sit here. Sit here. I'm going. I'm going to my room and I don't like people to be telling me where I should sit, dictating to me. Hey, please, like Abigail, come off the high horse. Come off so that you can reach more people. Amen. <laughs> hmm. And she fell at his feet and said, upon me, my Lord. You know, she immediately went into the role of an intercessor. An intercessor takes the iniquity of everybody else and makes it his own. Daniel said, we have all sinned against you. Moses said, do not kill us all. Although he had not infuriated God. You as a woman, can you stand in the place of intercession? Can you take somebody's faults and plead for God's mercy instead of being judgmental? You as a wife, you often have more understanding than other people. Can God rely on you for intercession so that your household will not be destroyed? Every time you are complaining, your complaints are even on Facebook. And now you are uh, uh, writing in Kasechu on Twitter. If you marry a man and you whatever, whatever, and then you change your status. Marriage is a den of what, and we know you are married. So who is the den? <laughs> Amen, ladies. She said, upon me, upon me, let this iniquity be. Most wives, I think, should be the best prayer warriors for their husband. Because you see things not everybody sees. And sometimes you even understand things your husband may not understand. But you may say, oh, I'm talking, he's not listening. Have you tried your closet? Have you tried prayer? This generation moves from meeting to meeting, place to place. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me. My name is Jemima. <laughs> Amen. But it's the people who do know their God, who will work strong and do exploits. Amen. In the midst of pressure, she says, I take Nabal's sin for myself. Upon me. How many women are like that? Hey. Somebody has gone to make his own problem and then now I say upon me. I mean, why? Lady Reverend, that is lying. It's not lying. It's a place of intercession. Amen. And a place of intercession is a place of mercy. Okay. He, she said, I pray thee speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. She keeps referring to herself as a servant and a handmaid. Let not my Lord, hmm. she has more than David, but she recognizes spiritual things. 
And she knows that because she says later that I know that you will be king. And I know that God will use you for great things. So she calls him my Lord. The woman in the tower also called Joab, my Lord. When you learn to address your husband properly, you will get a lot of things done. Amen. You know the Bible says, uh, Sarah called Abraham Lord. So at a certain point, my husband will call me. Mommy. Yes, my Lord. And then when I come, I'll be laughing. Say, but if you are saying my Lord, why are you laughing? <laughs> Men are like God. They inhabit the praises of their people. <laughs> Amen. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaiden, saw not the young men. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholding thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies, and they that seek evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid had brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. Amen. Upon me. Upon me. Let the iniquity be. Oh God, this fault. Oh God, this thing that has gone wrong. Let it be upon me. And have mercy on us. And Lord, turn things around. Also, the wise woman that Abigail was, the error corrector, she calls a spade a spade and not an agricultural instrument. <laughs> because there are many agricultural instruments. Amen? There's a, more, a watering can, there's a shovel, huh? there's a pitchfork. There are different things. So call a spade a spade. Don't say, hmm, Pastor, I have a problem. You don't want anybody to know your problem. Therefore, nobody can counsel you. And then now, when the problem explodes, you say, ah, I didn't know how. Call it what it is. The Syrophoenician woman, she didn't say, oh, my child is having challenge. She said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Call it what it is. So Abigail understood her problem. Most of us, we don't understand our problem. Therefore, how can you correct any error? You don't understand what you are confronted with. But she said, bottom line, he is great and he is there, but I'm married to a fool. <laughs> Amen. And then the next step is that she called on something that will benefit David. Everybody is created to be self-centered except by the grace of God. And everybody looks out for what is beneficial to them. So when you are negotiating or you are using wisdom to speak, let your partner see what your proposal will do for him, not only what it will do for you. Amen? So Abigail said to David that when everything has been okay, God will bless you and all that, but then you would have shed blood and you would have done things you shouldn't do, which will make your being king very difficult. So she appealed to something that was beneficial to him. So when you come as an error corrector to help in some way, what is the benefit to the other person? Is it the benefit only to you in marriage? I want to be happy. I want to be at peace. I want, you see, every time you do that, it hurts me. Every time, but what about the other person? Do you know what you've also done to the other person? Amen? 
It is said that we look at our faults with rose-colored glasses. And we look at our partner's fault with magnifying glasses. May the Lord deliver us. Amen. Hmm. And then she blesses David. And now this blessing, the food was a blessing. And she also prayed for David as well. He said, let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Be as Nabal. So that is like the person has good wishes towards you. And everybody flows with somebody who has your well-being at heart. Do you understand? So when you come to a negotiating table, don't come with only your side. Eh, what's your side? Eh, me, I think that... What about the other person's side? Abigail saw the other side. A woman of good understanding, a wise woman, sees the other side. Amen. And then she blesses him and says, um, Forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil has not been found in thee all the days of thy life. Call on something good in the other party. It's not everyday criticism. Why don't you do this? Well, you did this wrong. Have you tried praise? Have you tried acknowledgement of something good in the other party? It's always you don't do this. You do. What about the things he does? What about that? Amen, ladies. Sometimes like when people come for cousin, he doesn't do. He doesn't. He's not romantic. I say, hmm, okay. Does he pay school fees? That's for that one. Does he pay the bills? That's for that. But they do everything. Bills are not everything. Bills are not everything, but acknowledge it because through that you will get a breakthrough. Amen. How come pastor's wife that everybody sees the anointing on your husband except you? How come you only see problems like Mikal? You don't see the ark. You don't see his joy. You don't see the history. Why he's behaving, how he's behaving. You don't see how the... The only thing is the handmaids and your clothes were coming down. That's what concerns you. The Holy of Holies is very important to you. Amen. But if you said, oh, David, this act must mean a lot to you. I remember when he went to the house of Obedidom and uh, you were left without it. So now that it's coming back, oh, you are very happy. But please, when you are dancing, then pull the cloth small. The person will receive from you. But when it's, why? Every day, the king of Israel, you've come to disgrace yourself. What a, because we are so criticism prone. We are so tuned to negativity. Why don't you try this Abigail's way of wisdom? It may turn things around. Hmm. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done. Yeah, so she said all that. That you deal well with the Lord and remember thy handmaid. When God remembers you, remember me. Verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent this day, who sent you this day to meet me. Abigail thought she was solving a domestic problem. But the problem always transcends your small world. 
And the problem always transcends your little comforts. And the problem always transcends your little marriage that you married in that little chapel at Kutubabi. It's bigger than that. Amen. So David saw it as God having sent Abigail to meet him. And this time he wasn't going to fight anymore. But he just felt blessed that how can I meet such a person? An error corrector. She was not an army general. She was not the CEO of her husband's company. She was a woman in the house with 200 loaves of bread, figs and raisins. But God sent her to meet David. And David was able to decipher that. Amen, somebody. Let us have a global view of the things we do. Let us have a global view of the repercussions of our errors, our mistakes, and when our things come, how we shake ourselves. Amen. Esther thought it was about her marriage, but it wasn't. It was about God preserving the Jews. So many things present themselves as private, but they are public and they are for generations yet unborn and yet unseen. And that's why you can't behave anyhow. You can't afford it because it has repercussions. Amen. David recognized that it was God who had sent Abigail. And blessed be thy advice. And blessed be thou who has kept me this day from coming to shed blood. Blessed be thy advice. Not blessed be your hips 44. Not blessed be your waist 28. Not blessed be your fashion sense. Not blessed be your human hair. But blessed be thy counsel and thy advice. An error corrector, when you open your mouth, like the Bible says about Proverbs 31, she opens her mouth with wisdom. How come she opens her mouth with wisdom? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What investment have you made in your heart? Your investment is those your foolish friends. Every day they advise you. And they are advising you from bold and restless. And all these uh, foolish soap operas, some in India in tree. Kumkumbaja and quote. That's your advisor. You never meditate on his word. Because his word is a well. You may not always need it. But at the appropriate time, when it has to come forth, the people will say, blessed be your advice. Your advice is different from the world. Lady Reverend, how come? Your advice is different from what people say. How come? It's not because you are so wise. But it's because his word is light. And that light is shining through your advice. But how can you bring out something you don't have? We say in law, never that called habit. You can never give what you don't have. That's why when your friend asks you, you refer to Obra, you refer to different things, but not the Bible. Because you never spend time in his presence. You are investing in stocks. You are investing in treasury bills. You are worried that the dollar bill is going down. But you have no spiritual investment. You don't. Every investment takes effort. Every investment is going to take risk. How come you've planned for everything except for the investment of his word in your life? Therefore, when you open your mouth, 
You are just like uh, any therapist, which is the latest thing. I need a therapist. I need to see a therapist. You know my mind, little ever. The way is hey. Isaiah 26, verse 2. That will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you? Whose mind? Your mind is all over the place. Because you don't believe that the word of God is light. The word of God is power. The word of God delivers. And the word of God shows us where to go. Amen, ladies. The effort you make to find that seamstress. When you meet that sister in church on Sunday, say, hey, your skirt is very beautiful. Where did you get hmm. You live at Danshuman. Show me. Show me. dress. Oh, you show me, show me. You see, when you go here, then you turn behind the blue kiosk, then you cross a big gutter. Even that day it rained. You still went. In spite of the flood advisory in Accra, you still went because you were looking for that skirt. Will you look for his word and search for it with all your heart? For it's those who search for him with all their hearts who find him. A woman of good understanding. What kind of woman are you? What kind of error corrector are you? Many people can claim to be error correctors because, okay, maybe you help with disease, sickness. All that is good. But we are talking about things that have eternal value. God uses natural seeming things to do supernatural things. It's time to fall in love with Jesus. It's time to make an investment in spiritual things. Every time you go on Facebook, you are looking at the latest gossip. Uh, people fight each other. Now everybody can sit in their room and become a star. Everybody can sit in their room and tell lies to the highest. And, and, and it's like, you can't do anything about it. But if you meditate on the word, I believe that change will come and God will be glorified. May we get wisdom. The Bible says in all you're getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is a principal thing. The Bible says wisdom is to be desired more than rubies. Length of days are in her right hand. Amen? And then pleasures and good things are in the other hand. So when we look for God's kind of wisdom, this is where we end up at. Meanwhile, you have stopped that and you are looking for length of days, riches in other ways. It is the wisdom from above that brings about all these things. I pray that from this meeting, you will return to your closet and you will, you will, you will tap into the wisdom of God. The Bible says we speak of the wisdom not of this world. The hidden wisdom of God the, the, the wisdom of this world is inundating us. People are using uh, 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 internet as their advices. Sometimes they give good advice. But your first place of call should be his throne room. Your first place of call should be his word. Beloved, I am one of the weakest people on this planet, but for Jesus. And if it were not for his word, I would not even know what to do. I would not have light. You know, I am not as super, super as you think. I'm not a superwoman. I'm very ordinary, but an ordinary vessel who clings to his word because the darkness is so much. You know, I talk to young ladies, even in the church, and they tell me that this thing about you cook for a man, you look after a man. Mommy, it's patriarchy. 
I was talking to another lady. She told me that our relationship is not traditional. And I said, what does that mean? Oh, traditional, that a woman does this and a man does this. You know? Those I said, it is role differentiation. It's not oppression. I said, when you go to a company, people play different roles. The CEO may do this, but he needs somebody to do the other side. Somebody is in HR. Somebody is also on this side. So it's just role differentiation. You don't have to come to it like it's oppressive. It's oppressive. Submission is a bad thing. But the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husband. But before that, it says, submitting yourselves one to another. But because you don't know the Bible, you say, hey, this thing about submission, it really irks me, lady, I really can't. You don't know the scriptures. And you are not dividing them rightly. It's time to go back to the light. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear denotes respect. Respect is word in your life. Make the effort to buy the truth and sell it not. When you go to Facebook, listen to sermons. Take notes. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Let it sink. When your pastor preaches, don't let it be just Sunday and it's over. Meditate on it. Because one day, like Abigail, you will be caught unawares and you will need that spring to spring forth. The error corrector is somebody who is brimming with his word. Stand to your feet, please. Please stand to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Bible says in James 1.5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth liberally and abradeth not. Only let him ask in faith. I want us to ask God for wisdom. It's one of my favorite prayer topics now because sometimes there are two good things that you don't even know which one to do. But the wisdom of God will lead you like Abigail. Some of you are in difficult seasons of your life. Sometimes we don't have answers. Don't think that we know it all. I don't know it all. Sometimes I come to the end of my rope and I say, Lord, the road is bumpy, but your word and your presence is enough because he says his presence will never depart from me. Ask him for wisdom. You've asked for so many things. You've asked that your marriage be turned around. You've asked that God changes your husband. You've asked that he even dies. You've asked that your wife is destroyed. You've asked for so many things. Today, ask for wisdom. And because it's in accordance with his word, he will do it. Open your mouth and ask him for wisdom. Holy Ghost, do it again. Do Stay.
because it's a solemn time, not because it's a shameful time. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. Lady Reverend, I'm not serious with God. But from today, I want to start a new life in Jesus Christ. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not even sure whether I'm born again. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. It's not about being happy on earth. There's another world in view. You are like that here this morning, this afternoon. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. David said to Abigail, blessed be thy advice. This afternoon, I counsel you to choose Jesus, to make him the Lord and the master of your life. You are like that here this afternoon. Just lift up your hands way above your shoulder. I'm not doing it because it's not important. It's the last, but it's not the least. Let your hands go high above your shoulder. You need to rededicate your life. You need to start all over again. Just lift up your hands high so that I can see you. I see your hands. God bless you. And take another step. Come forward. Give me the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you've lifted up your hands, forget about who knows you and who thinks what about you. Come. Come to Jesus. Come forward now. Come for wherever you are. Jesus is reaching out to you. Come. A new beginning. A new road. New life in Jesus Christ. Come. Don't think about your status. Don't think about how you are known in the church. I'm making bargaining it for your soul. If you come forward, You are special to God. Dear Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord and the master of my life. Cleanse me from all my sin. Thank you for coming to die on the cross that I may be saved. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Thank you that by this prayer I have become a child of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.